I'm excited today as we're starting this brand new series called You Asked For It because so often I feel the weight of choosing what we talk about every week. Um, Obviously, I pray about that and seek God as to what we talk about, but sometimes things that we talk about may not feel as relevant as other times. And this is a series where I just get to put the ball in your court and say, what would you like for us to talk about for the next six weeks? And so many of you have texted in questions and uh, others of you hopefully will continue to text in questions questions about life, questions about the Bible, questions about things you don't understand or things that you think should change. Nothing is off limits in this series. And there's a couple of things that I want to kind of guarantee you. Number one, in this series, there's going to be some tension. This is a series that we did a couple of years ago, and this is a series where there's always going to be topics that we talk about that are controversial. There are going to be topics that we talk about that people have different beliefs about. And the second thing that I want to kind of guarantee you as we start this series is that our goal is to go to God's Word and ask the question in light of God's Word and get answers from His Word, not from my opinion. Now, the truth is, is that all of us have been brought up differently. Our parents have taught us different things, things that may not align with God's Word. And so, uh, in a way, in this series, I want to try to attempt to kind of flip a switch in our mind and say everything that we've ever believed about something, let's just kind of put it on the back burner for a few weeks, and let's just go to God's Word with an open heart, with with an empty mind, saying, God, you fill me with your truth and allow me to take the answers to these questions straight from your Word and put them into practice in my life. And and I can also kind of uh, give you a third guarantee. For some of us, it's going to be difficult. For some of us, we're going to learn some things in this series that don't come natural and don't feel right. But again, I want us just to have an open mind and say, God, you speak to me. So can I do this before we go to the first question? Can I just pray for you and pray for myself that God would speak clearly to us to give us ears to hear and that he would speak through me and uh, just help us to hear his truth today. Is that okay with you if I do that? Awesome. Lord, thank you for today and thank you for this series. Thank you for an opportunity to um, answer tough questions and to seek you uh, in some controversial issues that we may come across in the next few weeks. My prayer, Lord Jesus, is that your word would be our guide and we would allow you to speak to our hearts and we would commit in our hearts to follow you wherever you lead us. And for that, I'm thankful. Give us ears to hear your word and speak through me. In Christ's name, I pray. And everyone said, amen. Before we jump into the first question, let me encourage you with this. It is not too late to text in questions for this series. If something today or throughout the week spurs your mind to uh, want to ask a question, you can text to 678-753-4101, 678-753-4101, and the lines are officially open. I said that last week, and it was corny, and I thought I would do it again. So make sure you text in some questions so that we can jump to answers. We won't get to them all, but we'll try to get to the most asked. Today, we're going to uh, ask a question. We're just going to answer one question today, actually, and um, it's a question that um, different ones of us are going to have different answers to if, if we were to take a poll. So if I were to ask this question uh, to this group of people, we would probably get different responses as an answer to this question, and so uh, that's going to generate enough interest for us just to say, well, what does God have to say about this issue? So here's the first question for this series. Uh, 
this was texted in. Is interracial dating or marriage, okay. Is interracial dating or marriage, okay. Now, I'm going to take a little bit of liberty here, and I'm going to kind of try to bring some clarity to this question or really just kind of give this question some legs. And I want to ask the same question in a different way. Is interracial dating or marriage a sin? Is it a sin? According to God's word, in light of a living God, is it wrong? Is it a sin? Does it hurt God's heart for people of different races to be in relationship with one another, to marry one another, to begin families together. Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands because uh, that wouldn't be helpful at all for us. And so I just want to kind of jump into a scripture. And I want to start with a scripture, and then we're going to uh, kind of back our way into this question uh, by addressing some, some topics through our world today. And the first scripture that I'm going to go to is Revelation chapter number 7, verses 9 and 10. And this is what the writer of Revelation, John the disciple, wrote. He said, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. This is John the disciple. He's exiled to an island called Patmos, and he's having a vision of heaven. He says, There before me was a great multitude that no one could count. From every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb, they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hand. And they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to, listen to this word right here, our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And before we jump into specifics of this question, we need to understand and realize something. Something that is monumental for a foundation for us to even attempt to ask this question. At the end of time, when all said and done and this world has passed away and we're standing before a holy God, here's the truth, here's the promise based on God's word for you. There will not be only one race standing before God. In addition to there being multiple races, multiple tribes, multiple people of different colors, of different nationalities, of different backgrounds, they're going to stand before God together. And they're going to worship our God, the God that loves us all, that we belong to as one body of Christ, as one church, speaking different languages with different colors of skin, and God is going to be seated on his throne, and we're going to worship him together. I can't tell you how incredible it is for me to be able to look out in our church and see different races, people of different backgrounds, uh, people who don't all look and act just alike. It's important to me as a pastor to see that, and sometimes it grieves my heart when I don't see that in a lot of churches because the truth is Jesus taught his disciples to pray that his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, if in heaven we're going to stand together united as different races and different nationalities, why on earth would we try to prevent that on the earth? Why would the people of God try to withhold the blessing and the created plan for man and woman to stand together united before a holy God on earth when it's going to happen in heaven? Now, the sad part about our society is that there are going to be people who love Jesus, people who claim to follow Jesus, who 
unless God does a work in their heart, are going to be really disappointed when they get to heaven. Because heaven's not going to look anything like they want it to look. And so why not on earth embrace a reality that God has created us all differently, but he loves us all, and he provides a way for us all to have a relationship with him, and the external appearances that we all carry with us through life are not nearly as important. In fact, they're completely unimportant in relation to the condition of our heart. It's the condition of our heart that will help us to stand before living God when we make it to heaven on the day of judgment rather than the color of our skin. Now, I wanted to start with that scripture because as you know, specifically in our culture, in our country today, Racism is taking us a step in the wrong direction from where we've come from. I am not here today to stand on a platform or a soapbox and uh, to give you any kind of rant, but we can all agree that our nation is not united when it comes to race. Now, we've, we've heard stories in the recent news of, of white people going into black churches and killing people. We've heard stories of black individuals shooting white police officers. We've heard of white police officers abusing black men and women. And the response to these topics, these events, these tragedies that have happened in our culture have not helped us to move in the right direction. Now, I want to be clear on this, and then we'll eventually get back to the specifics of this question. When a person or a group of people makes a judgment about an entire group of people based on the actions of an individual or a smaller group of people, it is not helpful to resolve the issues of the individual or the smaller group of people. Can we agree to that? Can we agree that when there's an injustice in the world based specifically on race issues, that people do not love one another, that they strongly oppose people of different races, and they act in a way that is unbiblical, that doesn't show love, that doesn't reflect heaven at all on the earth, and people search through media, people search for events that they can put on a platform and say this event is a reflection of an entire group of people and we need to oppose this entire group of people and prove to them that we deserve better, it isn't helpful. And I personally am grieved at the condition of our country that we would respond to certain events by categorizing entire races based on specific events. It's sad Because the truth is, it's not going to make things better. It's going to make things worse. And when we begin to hold up specific events and categorize people, then we're pointing the finger at people who aren't guilty. And those people have a tendency to be defensive. No one likes to be told you're wrong when you're not wrong, right? And so they, in turn, begin to lash out and try to prove, no, we're right. We're not wrong. We're right. And we began to use phrases like our people, us, that basically illustrate the things that we oppose. 
Because we're basically saying, because you people have done this to our people, we're taking a stance against a race. And this is across the board. We have different nationalities in this country who oppose one another and simply want to prove that their side is right or wrong when it's not an issue of sides, it's an issue of sick individuals who need help and who need to meet a loving Savior that God's love would be infused into their life. And we've grown up in a world, in a country that has a history of racism. Just this past weekend, I was privileged to go to Charleston, South Carolina with my wife to see her family. And while we were there, we took a trip to a place called Charlestown Landing. I don't know if any of you have ever been to Charlestown Landing, but it was one of the early settlements in South Carolina. And at Charlestown Landing, you can tour different areas of the settlement where they had built fences. It's amazing to see the work that they came together and did. And they had built homes there. And uh, for some reason, they have a zoo there. I couldn't figure that out. Maybe they were zoo people. Uh, But the kids loved it. And that was kind of weird. But we took a trip down by the river. And at the river, they had uh, a reproduction of a ship, a vessel. And we went on the ship and we began to tour this ship that was a a remade model of the original. It was pretty interesting. It was great. And we went down into the hull of this ship. We climbed a ladder down, and there were no windows on the belly of this ship. And we were told by the guy that this is where they would carry cargo. And it hit me while I was down in the belly of this ship that the cargo that likely would have been carried at some point on this ship would have been slaves would have been men and women who were being transported as goods, as property to this plantation, to this establishment, to work it, to tend it, to to be used to develop this village. And I kind of honestly, I got this eerie feeling just being down in the belly and, and there was this like this vent above the top so that you could get air in. And so I asked the guy, I said, I said, how many slaves do you think were transported on this ship and he he just kind of skirted around well this was this was really for cargo this is cargo and I was like you don't think any slaves he said well you know there might have been some slaves on here I don't know and up in the very front of the hole there were like these little bitty uh, almost looked like bunk beds and he said well if there were slaves they would have had their own bunk bed up front and we walked from the ship and we went up towards the zoo because the kids wanted to go to the zoo. And I looked over to my right in this field with trees growing up in it. And there was a sign that said, African American Cemetery. And I looked and I didn't see one tombstone. I didn't see a head placement that identified an individual in this field with some trees growing up in it. And I realized that these slaves were likely buried in this field that had likely been transported as property to this establishment. With no headstone, with no identification. Now, I've, I've buried a few dogs in my day. And I even put a rock at the head of where I buried my dog. And to think that in our country... People would be buried simply as property just to be removed and disposed of without giving the dignity 
of a proper burial place became really real to me as I walked those grounds. And I knew that we were coming into this series and this topic would be discussed. And I realized that from that point, we have moved so far as a country that it's illegal to have slaves now, that we can't treat people as property, though it still happens. There's slaves all over this world, and that's a tragedy. But at least as a country, we've moved in the direction that, that we would not allow people to be treated as property, that we would give people equal rights. Yet all we see in the news is steps in the wrong direction. We're moving in a, in a direction that isn't healthy for us to make progress towards heaven on earth. And it's a shame. One of my favorite passages of Scripture is Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 13. If you've been around Synergy, you've heard me quote portions of this multiple times. Here's what the Apostle Paul, who was an incredible leader in the early church, wrote to the church in Rome. He said that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. As the scripture says, here it is, anyone, anyone, say that with me, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Notice that Paul is speaking to anyone. He doesn't say if you're a certain race. He doesn't say if you're a certain nationality. He doesn't say if you speak a certain language. He says anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame, for there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is the Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For, I love this, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Do you understand the importance of this passage? Not only the truth that says that we all have available to us an opportunity to call on the name of Jesus and we can be saved. You say saved from what? Saved from ourselves. Saved from sin. Saved from a destructive future spent in a literal place called hell, separated from God after we leave this earth. Saved from the misery of who we think we can become and realize that we can't. We all have that hope, but there's no qualifier based on race. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And anyone who puts their faith in Jesus will not be put to shame. And I can just imagine looking out at multitudes lined up before the throne of God. And seeing people from all corners of the earth standing together as one because they've all made one simple decision. And that's to call on the name of the Lord. And God isn't going to sit on his throne and have someone stand before him and say, I called on the name of the Lord and him say, well, you don't meet certain criteria, so it doesn't really count for you. He's going to say, I love you, son, daughter. Come on in to my eternal glory and spend eternity with the people of God, not the race of God. My history 
with racism goes back to a fairly early age. I had people in my family who would use words that I won't mention from this stage. I had friends in my sphere of influence that spoke badly of certain races of people. And I began to notice that I began to, not inherit, I began to acquire some tendencies to view people in a certain way. I remember at an early age that I had to deal with the reality of, man, my heart is not healthy in certain ways. That I look at certain people and I just think certain things about them. And man, God really helped me with that. But when I was in middle school, I grew up in Toccoa, Georgia, in Stevens County Middle School. This would have been in the early 90s and Literally, there was almost a race war in Toccoa, Georgia. So much so that uh, my, my brother inherited my dad's hand-me-down truck, and on the front of it was an American flag. And that American flag was removed from that truck because there, there didn't want to be any confusion of it being a Confederate flag and, and anything happening to my brother. I remember that conversation. It got pretty serious. I remember being in computer class, sitting in a classroom that, that, that was up against an open-air courtyard. And there was glass all around it. And I remember someone saying, oh my gosh, look across. And I remember looking across on the other side of the courtyard and seeing just a massacre People were thrown through glass windows. One of my great friends, a black guy, had broken his arm. And with his cast, I saw him just pounding a white guy on the head. And blood was everywhere. And I remember all the administration, just the school was locked down. It was intense. And I remember just thinking, what is happening? How is this happening And I remember years later, this is somewhat humorous for me. I remember years later uh, being in class with a friend of mine and and hearing him make a comment to someone. This was also a black friend of mine about how they disliked when a white person called them a word that started with N. But then I would hear him call his friend that, and it confused me. And I remember asking my friend, I said, Tony, man, I'm not trying to like be rude. I just want to understand like you get mad if a white person calls you this word, but I hear you call your friends that a lot. And he kind of explained, well, these, these are my people, you know, it's my homies. It's okay for us to call each other that. But if someone else calls us that, it's because they mean it in a bad way. We mean it in a good way, but they mean it in a bad way. And so I just wanted to test him. I was like, so what if I called you that? Could I call you that? And I'll never forget, I was given permission in 10th grade to call my black friend the N-word. And listen, I was on top of the world. I remember a couple times just being like, what up? And thinking, I'm in the club, right? I'm in the club. I can say this and it's okay. But you, you can't say that. You're going to get, you know, massacred. And I realized again, what... What is happening? We live in such a racist culture that we would allow a word that's meant for harm to be used in a different way. And so now we're deciphering how it's used and by whom it's used 
to dictate if it offends us or not. And I just remember deciding after a couple weeks, I'm not going to call you that anymore. I remember telling him, I, I can't call you that anymore, man. He wasn't mad, like, no, you got to call me that. He wasn't mad. But I just remember, like, this isn't, this isn't healthy. This isn't healthy. It's not just one group of people who's racist in our world. We have people from all tribes and tongues who are racist, who think that because someone looks different from them, that they are not on the same level, that they are somehow inferior to them. And then we make judgments about entire races based on events from individuals who are many times ignorant and out of place in what they do. I remember in high school also when one of my white friends was, began to date a black girl. You see, I'm bringing us back to the question here. Now, here's been my history to this point in my young life of interracial dating. My history with interracial dating was some white girls that I knew in my grade, in my classes, who had dated some black guys that I played ball with. And my history, just being honest with you here, with interracial dating was hearing the black guys in the locker rooms talk about what they were doing to the white girls. Let's just be honest. I mean, this is like graphic things that they're saying, you know, she'll do this, I did that, like explicit and in my mind, I began to resent the way these girls were being talked about. And I began in my heart, without even knowing it, to say, well, that's just wrong. These, these guys are treating these girls badly, and therefore, I don't think that it should happen. And I began to kind of classify the whole thing. And so when my friend at church, my white friend was dating a black girl, I began to ask questions because I knew that my friend loved Jesus. I knew that he was a follower of Christ. And he wasn't perfect like, many, like all of us aren't perfect, but I knew that I could trust that he actually loved God and he loved other people. But here he was dating someone of a different race, which, by the way, side note, can we just be honest here? Most of us would agree that the major issue when we talk about interracial relationships is, is between black people and white people, right? We don't, we don't really see many people like with other nationalities like opposing entire groups of people saying you shouldn't do that like we do when a black individual and a white individual date. So let's just kind of get a little specific here. I'm going to ask questions and I got different answers. And I heard things that were references to Scripture that would cause me to think, well, maybe this shouldn't happen. Let me give you, let me give you a couple of examples. I heard that in the Old Testament, God told his people not to intermarry with foreigners. And so God obviously had a design for the different nationalities to be separate. Do you know that's in the Bible? Let me show you. 
Deuteronomy chapter number 7, starting in verse number 1. This is uh, God's word to the people of Israel, the chosen people. When the Lord your God brings you into the land you are entering to possess and drives out before you many nations, the Hittites, the, the Girgashites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, seven nations larger and stronger than you. And when the Lord your God has delivered them over to you and you have defeated them, then you must destroy them totally. Make no treaty with them and show them no mercy. Sometimes don't you wish we lived in biblical days? Let's just wipe them out. We don't though. Verse number three. Do not intermarry with them. Do not give your daughters to their sons or take their daughters for your sons. Children of Israel, people of God, you're going to inherit some land. You're going to conquer some nations. And you're to wipe them off the face of the earth. You're to destroy them totally. Don't make peace treaties with them. And specifically, do not intermarry with them. Don't give your sons to the foreign women and don't take the foreign women for and don't take the foreign men for your daughters. Would this be sin if they did? Yes, cuz God told them not to. So why should we do it today? People always stop there though. And they don't really get to the next verse. Listen to the next verse, verse number 4. 4, here's the reason behind the rule. They will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods. And the Lord's anger will burn against you and will quickly destroy you. Why was God telling them not to take foreigners and intermarry with them? Because they were pagans. Because they worshipped gods that weren't the true God. And because God knew that, that if they began to intermarry with them, they would begin to adopt their pagan ways and they would begin to slowly turn their back on God. This had nothing to do with colors of skin. This had nothing to do with a specific nationality that would apply to our culture today or a specific race. This had everything to do with pagan versus godly. And so there were times that I would tell people, no, in the Old Testament, God said that you're not supposed to intermarry with foreigners, and so we shouldn't do it today. I've told people that. I've had a conversation with my friend. You know, I just, I just, don't, I just don't know, man. I just don't know. I don't think you're supposed to be doing that. And then, you ever heard this one? Well, you know, like if you look at birds, red birds and blue birds, you don't ever really see them together. You ever heard that one? And I used to, I've used that example, you know, red birds, blue birds, you know, you don't ever see red birds and blue birds, you know, right? And then I realized, like, I stepped back for a moment, I was like, when's the last time I was, like, bird watching? <laughs> I don't sit around and study birds. I don't know, for all I know, they're out in the bushes doing whatever they want to do. I don't know. I don't know. But I know that likely under the feathers, they probably look pretty similar, and I know that we don't go so far to say is that, that blondes should, should, should never marry brunettes, do we? We don't take it that far. We're going to talk about feathers. and Why wouldn't we take it that far? And so it became like confusing to me. I was like, oh, maybe, 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 that's, not, maybe that's not right. And then maybe you've heard this one if you've been around the church, specific to this issue, that we're not to be unequally yoked. Right? And so, you know, marrying someone of a different race would mean you're unequally yoked. But let's just be honest. I mean, 
in 2 Corinthians 6, 14, it says, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. With unbelievers. It doesn't ever say, do not be unequally yoked with someone that has a different skin from you, that looks different from you. And it made me think, it made me think, why do I, why did I allow myself to get to the position where I had a difficult conversation with a friend that I cared about, where I was trying to say, man, I don't know that you should be doing this. And I stepped back and I began to realize I am putting more emphasis on the external and the appearance than I am on the condition of the heart. Now, I know some of you say, okay. So when your little four-month-old is 16 and she comes home and says, says, Dad, I really like this guy and it's a black guy, what are you going to say to her? Let me tell you what I'm going to say to her. Does he love Jesus? Because if he don't love Jesus, baby, it won't turn out good. Hallie, you've got to marry a man that loves God with all of his heart because that's the man that's going to treat you right. That's what I'm going to say. We can come back in 16 years and you can ask me the question. I, I, I don't know what man God has in store for my daughter to marry. And I don't know what women God has in store for my sons to marry. But I know one thing. Everything within me is going to push them towards making sure that person loves Jesus and is a Christ follower, and has a heart that is pure before the Lord. And no matter what the outside looks like, I could care less what people say about me. And then you've heard, likely, well, what about the children? And people even go so far as to say, it's the children that suffer in these situations, as if it's like some tragic situation. Because they're so beautiful. I mean... They're so beautiful. Well, they might be filling out a form and it'll say, What's your race? And they might have to check other and it'll just scar them for life. Seriously. (laughs) So we're going to say that we're against something because, seriously? Is there any indicator in Scripture that would specifically say that it is a sin? for interracial marriages or relationships. And I'm just telling you from what I've searched and what I've studied, there is no indicator. Let me blow your mind for a second. Some of you are thinkers. And you're already going to have an answer because you're the type of person that thinks about this. Let me give you a series of questions. What race was Jesus? He wasn't white. I just want you to know that. He was Jewish. Which, by the way, in Matthew's account of Jesus' birth, Rahab and Ruth, two women in the lineage of Jesus, were Gentiles, they weren't even Jews. So Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, entered into a family that wasn't just one race. Side issue. Adam and Eve, let's go to the very first couple. Some of you thinkers are like, Let's do this. I got answers. (laughs) Adam was made from the dust of the ground. A rib was removed. And Eve was fashioned from that rib. You got a man, you got a woman. You know we're all traced back to them. 
So, was this an interracial couple? That's one of my questions before God. I don't know. I tend to think there was probably DNA involved, and so they probably looked similar. But I know this, that from them, we're all here. Amen. Amen. Now, some people have told me, some people just live closer to the equator, and so they got more sun. That's why they're darker today. But I got an 86-year-old grandfather that's out in the sun a lot, and he hadn't changed race in 86 years. So I don't know how that would pass down to his kids and their kids. <laughs> So somehow, in all the DNA, God had it figured out that we would all come from two people. That means we're all connected. Which, by the way, if you have a racist heart, it means you have a heart against Jesus. You have a heart against God because you're basically saying, God, when you created me, you got it right. But I'm just here to tell you, God, I'm pointing my finger at you and say, you messed up when you made someone else. Surely we wouldn't be so arrogant to believe that we are better than someone else because of the way we look. Because I promise if I cut all of you, you're going to bleed red. Unless you got some kind of medical issue and that's just weird. Is it wrong for interracial couples to get married or to date? Biblically speaking, I find no evidence. No. Pastor Bronson, do you condone, do you encourage interracial relationships? You feel that tension? (laughs) I condone godly relationships. I believe that if you're going to marry someone, it needs to be someone who loves Jesus and who will make you closer to God. And sadly, most relationships in our world don't hold that standard. That's where I stand. Would you ever marry an interracial couple if I felt like they were a good fit? If I felt like they loved each other? If I felt like they were willing to commit their lives together? You bet. I'd be glad to. Need a little extra cash anyway. (laughs) Unless you go to our church, I'll do it for free. I know that's what you expect. If there's tension in your heart, I want to just end with this. If there's tension in your heart with the answer you've heard today, chances are there is at least roots of racism in your heart. And my prayer for us as a church is that we would be a church that loves people. That anyone can call on the name of the Lord and not be put to shame. That everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And I just want to pray today. I'm not going to like have you respond publicly. I'm not going to have you stand or raise a hand. I'm not going to do that. But I want to pray for us specifically that God would soften our hearts in areas that may be hard. That God would take things we may have learned or inherited, been taught, or just acquired from life that may not reflect God's word, and he would just strip it away from us. 
And that we all, as we're pursuing relationships, would seek someone that God has put in our life that loves Jesus and will make us closer to him and will love and care and cherish till death do us part in sickness and in health for better, for worse. That we would live life together in harmony with everyone. Can I pray for you? Would you bow your head, please? Lord, thank you for this question. Thank you for uh, helping us to at least address a topic that is kind of a difficult topic in our nation specifically right now. Father, we see in this country division based on appearances, based on external differences. And many times we feel a need to choose sides when it comes to entire groups of people. And my prayer for us, Father, is that we would love people. Your word even tells us that we're to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. And if, if people are directly opposed to us, Lord, our, our heart is still to love them with the love of Jesus. I pray for every man, every woman, every student who hears my voice in this moment that you would strip away any amount of hate that resides in our hearts towards any specific group of people or race in general. I pray that you would strip away those calloused areas and give us a soft heart, a heart of compassion, a heart of love, a heart to reach out and extend the hope of the world, who is Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, as we're dating and choosing spouses, those who aren't married, that you would help us to seek your face and to find the right person that you've designed for us who loves Jesus and who will lead us closer to you. And I pray for our nation specifically, Lord Jesus. How in the world we can hold a title of the United States of America in the condition that we currently stand is such a shame. And my prayer, Lord Jesus, is that you would unite us, that we would experience on earth just a little bit of what it's going to be like in heaven. And I pray that we would contribute only love to the equation and that you would help us, Lord, to repent and turn from our ways of judging people and groups of people based on actions and events of individuals or smaller groups of people. Heal our land, Lord Jesus. Heal our hearts. Help our church to be a church that loves everyone and anyone. And we thank you for that in Christ's name.